Welcome back. It is the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Bidon, joined as always by the Fantasy Master Lothario himself, the mustachioed mystery man in, in person, Gray Albright. How you doing, buddy? Uh, impresario. Good, uh, Bidon. <laughs> it's it's good to. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, for people who don't know, I I write out a four page intro for myself, and then Bidon chooses. I, I cut it down say. to like two or three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good, man. Good to uh, good to talk to you. It's it's been almost uh, a day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after our difficulty with the second base podcast, uh, yeah, we are we are back. I had I had about two hours, you know, between the second base and shortstop <laughs> to gather our thoughts. No, it's it's been a couple of days, but yeah, we are here to do what is a solid position. Finally, Gray, it's not just like uh, we don't really want anybody type of position. So that's gonna be awesome. Uh, that we're actually yeah. going to talk about real stats finally after the first two players. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this is probably it, it's uh, pretty self-evident, but the, uh, the shortstops are a uh, are a good group. <laughs> it's, it's, anyone who follows baseball probably realizes that. But yeah, I uh, I would say outfield and then maybe shortstops. But the you know the thing with outfielders obviously is there's a ton more of them, so. It's a larger pool where uh, shortstops. Yeah, there's there's a good chunk of them. There's yeah. a there's a large there's a large swath of shortstops that you could draft. And uh, you know, for most people who are in leagues with you know MIs and utility slots, I would say definitely look at uh, shortstop because the second base. Yeah. Yeah, because if you listen to the last podcast, the second base pool has questions right out of the gate. The very first player, and then the questions just get worse and worse and worse <clears throat> until we get the Von Grissom, yeah. of course. And then it's just all sunshine and rainbows for one player, and then there's more questions. Um, but yeah, shortstops, shortstops a great position. Uh, and I noticed this as I was going over, just because it's like the one position where there has been, you know, there's actually stats to look at. Um, last year's Babbitt was 290 gray across the league. Do you know how long? How, what was the last year that you have to go back to to get a BABIP lower than two ninety in the majors? Wow! Uh, two wow two ninety. Everyone, so everyone is Miguel Cabrera. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would say nineteen. 19- 97. <laughs> I don't know. I'm totally <laughs> guessing. Not no. bad. Not bad. Uh, 92 was actually the year that you have to go back to to get a BABIP lower than 290 out wow. there. So it has been a while, Gray, wow. since since 
then we have seen a BABIP, which, by the way, the averages, we're, we're going to get into this as we go, and this is why it came up. Like, people's averages just bottomed out at shortstop, even though some of the numbers necessarily didn't. Like, averages just fell out because BABIP dropped across the board. Um, Juan Gonzalez was the home run leader that season, in case you're, you were curious about that random fun fact. But uh, it's just, it was a bad year for batting average. But let's go ahead and get into shortstop. What was that? 90, 97, Juan Gonzalez? I would, 92. I don't, I don't. 92? Um, oh, right. I guess 97. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to uh, Razzball Baseball Podcast with Mr. Short-Term Memory. Uh, yeah, Juan Gonzalez, 92. I'm going to guess. I don't have it in front of me. Um, I'm going to guess because he hit a lot of homers a couple years there. I'm going to mm-hmm. guess that was uh, 52 homers? It was not. It was 43 uh, he oh, actually hit more yeah. the next year, but didn't lead the league, which is you know goes to this whole Babbitt thing. Um, <laughs> I was so off, <laughs> <laughs> but he hit forty three homers and hit two sixty. Gray, like that was that's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was really good for a while there when uh, uh, when Jose Canseco <laughs> met with him in the off season was like, "Hey man, Have you, you ever try steroids?" <laughs> Maybe like, you should have what? noticed something was going wrong when, you know, 36-year-olds were setting home run records. But that, that's not what we're here to discuss today. I, I feel like there was something with Juan Gonzalez. Rudy would remember. I um, This is the, uh, the the first mention of Rudy this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there will be many more. This will be the first positive and only positive mention Only positive, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rudy's listening to this podcast for the first time. He's like, wait, what are you talking about, Pot? Why is it Sony Positive? No, but um, Juan Gonzalez had something. Didn't he, like, do something like he bunted or something? I want to say there was something weird where he bunted. And this is already going to be a four-hour podcast. Let's 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 just move on. I don't know what you're talking about. We'll ask Rudy whenever we don't have him on the show ever. Um, So the first tier is all guys we've talked about before Trey Turner, Bo Bichette, Bobby Wood Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., and Marcus Simeon. Uh, you know, I don't even know if they're actually a tier. It probably is a split there somewhere, but we've already talked about them, so we're just moving on. For the first year that we're going to talk about, number six player is Francisco Lindor. Last year he had 26 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 98, 107, 270, 339, 449. You have him projected for 27 home runs, one or 17 stolen bases, 101, 104, 261. I mean, it seems like we're, we're kind of in the phase where the 30 home run days, we, we don't really expect that to come back. And the 20 plus stolen bases are probably gone. But I mean, he's, he's still been very solid. Um, I mean, it, you pretty much have him across the board the same, average coming down slightly, but everything else kind of in line with what he did last year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I looked at his stats and like I thought, from looking at his stats, I thought 2021 was a year to throw out with him because, like, it was a down year. But, you know, sometimes guys have down years. I don't know. Like, if you look at his numbers from 2021, they all sort of, like, they jump off the page as being, like, an obvious bad year that is not indicative of anything, you know? Like, I I, I do worry that, like, his strikeouts went up a little bit uh, in uh, 2021, but... They stayed, you know, where they were in 2021 last year in 2022, and 
he bounced back pretty good. I mean, it was like, you know, his Babbitt was way down in 2021, and that bounced back, and his average bounced back from 230 to 270. Um, maybe, you know, he's like probably, I want to say his, his launch angle and uh, fly balls aren't really absurd. Like, I see most people, like, he hits a decent amount of line drives. Like, I see a lot of people putting him down for, like, a much lower average than, um, you know, like, I, like you said, I have him down for 261, which, I mean, he hit 270 last year with a 301 bab at 261. I I don't know. Maybe I'm way off here, but that doesn't seem like that positive, like, that optimistic. And then you look at, like, everyone else's projections for him, and his projections are much lower for everyone else, like, you know, across the board with, like, uh, the bat has him for, like, 248, Steamer has him for 249, uh, Zips has him for 255, you know, so there's there's a lot of, like, there's people, everyone else is much lower than I am, so, uh, which I don't really understand, but, you know, that's uh, for questions for them, not for me. <laughs> I, I think he's a, you know, like, roughly a 260 hitter, which, you know, in his career, he's a 277 hitter. 261 feels pretty good. The only reason why I'm even spending so much time on his average is like everything else looks relatively like, I don't know. Like you can basically say like, you know, 25 homers tick. I mean, pretty easily. That's a a tick in that box pretty easily, I think. And then 10 plus steals. Yeah. Again, pretty easy. Runs in RBIs, it's a good lineup. He should be, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily walk in an insane amount, but he gets on base. He's like a 340, 350 on base percentage guy. So, yeah, I mean, he feels super safe. Like, I don't think there's any real, like, insane, like, uh, you know, the downside feels pretty minimal and the upside feels as minimal. But there's some, I mean, there's some chance here that he just, like, there's at least a, a 15, 20% chance Lindor could have an MVP type year. I mean, he could have, like, a 32 homer, 15 steal, 270, 280 average, and just have, like, a buku runs and RBIs and just be, like, you know, mostly on the runs, but... You know, last year he had 107 RBIs, so he definitely, you know, sitting in the middle of the lineup isn't bad. It's a good lineup. He could probably have maybe 110 to 115 runs. I'm talking, like, ceiling and, you know, 110 RBIs. Like, he could have an insane—he could have a really good, like, top 5 to 10 overall on the player Raider type year. Um and that's without and that's really like barely minimal upside from what his like floor is and i think his floor is really solid so yeah i'm i'm in on lindor again i'm i'm throwing out 2021 and i'm looking at 2022 as the new norm yeah, I think uh, we're going to disagree right off the bat here i actually want to <laughs> know part of lindor his current cost um so we're going to compare some numbers here and compared to 2021, which is, it was just kind of weird because the dead balls were in 2022, 21 still had the, the juice balls, but we're all, whatever, we're going to move past that. 
His exit velocity was down last year. His barrel barrel rate was about the same. Hard hit was down. Um, but it was in line with previous years, so you can kind of move that off. But in the last three seasons, these are the numbers that, like, I, I, I'm having a hard time moving past on Lindor. His swinging strike rate is up the last three seasons. His It, it was his highest CSW rate last year. And in the last two seasons, he has a sub-80% contact rate, which he's never done in his career. All those numbers combined to tell me the bat's slowing, which means, like, if it slows, I'm worried we get something closer to 2021 uh, than we did last year. And his average in those three seasons that, were, that like, we're talking about his swing and strike rate coming down has been completely BABIP-driven. Like, he had, two eight, he had 258 with a 280 BABIP. He hit 230 with a 248 Babbitt and then 270 with 301. So you're just counting on luck to carry him, and he's not hitting the ball with the same authority as he used to. I don't necessarily worry about the speed because he was never, like, he wasn't ever the fastest guy in the league. I, I think the rules on, you know, the, the checkover and, and everything help him actually maintain the speed. But I'm really worried that the average and the power just just aren't going to hang there. I'm probably closer to Rudy's like twenty low twenties rather than mid to high twenties in the home runs. Well, all right then. Right. He's also <laughs> I, going as the twenty eighth player off the board. The, that, uh, that hurts. I guess I have to find a new podcast host. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, <that'd> I'll <laughs> be taking applications after the show. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I you know what? I see what you're saying and I mean it's, you know, nothing you said was, you know, incorrect. I I just look at like I mean his O swing is up from even from 2021, which isn't really like the best thing you want to see. Um so I mean, I guess I could see where all that could lead to a lower average, you know, now that I I look at his plate discipline. But on the other hand, just to be devil's advocate, I I see like such slight ticks up. Like it's not like he's like complete like it's not like the bottom's falling out on his numbers. He just looks like he just you know, he was swinging a bit more at not the at more of like a pitcher's pitches and I mean he was making contact, just not the best of contact. But not like to the point where, at, and that, you know, he's still only going to be 29 years old. And like, you know, at 31, 32, if those were like his plate discipline numbers, that would be like, yeah, that's not great. The bottom could fall out. But I don't know. I, I'm not really, I'm not really like really that hugely concerned about it, to be honest. Um, I see what you're saying, though. And I guess I could see now when you point those things out, I could see why people's uh, like his projections for average were maybe a little bit lower than mine at, you know, 255 versus 261. I mean, we're not talking a huge difference, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think he's I think he's going to be able to hold him his, uh, you know, the majority of his stats for another year. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, we will see. And uh, and for what it's worth, I said, that, I said I didn't want him last year, and he had a great season. So the, it is what it is. But now I will say the thing I said was if you draft Lindor, just wait and draft Dansby Swanson later. And I'll say I was right about that. I'm going to say it again because if you're drafting Lindor and the top 30 picks, just wait, draft Dansby Swanson in the top 80 picks instead because I think his numbers are the same, or if not better. But let's go ahead and get into him. He signed with the Cubs. 
Uh, last year he had 25 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 99, 96, 277. Young projected for 27 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 78, 84, 262. So if you, you have the average coming down and the county numbers coming down. He moves from Atlanta to Chicago, so you can definitely see why that would happen. I'm all in on Dansby Swanson at his current ADP, though. Yeah, no, big time. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't get. I don't understand the Dansby Swanson like fade at all. Like, I, I you know, um, Cool Whip tweeted out the other day something about like how uh, the top. He he tweeted. Out, I think it was like the top twenty for the last three years on the fantasy baseball player Raider, and Swanson I think was like I don't. I want to say like twelve or thirteen in the top twenty. Uh, he was somewhere in the top twenty. Uh, yeah, so, you know, basically what that's saying is he's just, every year, he's super valuable. <laughs> and, like, why would you fade that? I I don't get it at all. Like, I, you know, like I've said before, like, I do my rankings, you know, sort of in a bubble, and then I, I stick my head out of the bubble, and I look to see what, like, ADP and other things are, and Dansby Swanson's ADP makes no sense to me at all. Like, I'm so much higher on Dansby Swanson than most people. Like, Dansby Swanson, for me, is easy. Like, it's like, well, you didn't like Lindor uh, necessarily, but Lindor and Swanson, like, if you just take their names away, 25, 10, 270, that's essentially the same thing. So why would Lindor be going, like... Uh, 50 picks before Swanson like it makes no sense and I think honestly I think Swanson because you know he's like you know I think because of the lineup uh, you know the Chicago the Cubs lineup may not be as good as what you know maybe some people are thinking like his runs and RBIs will come down a little bit but what <laughs> I don't know like, I, I feel like people just make up theories in their head i don't know man like i look at like you try and get a sense for like why people are doing other things and it's like that's that's the way to madness so (laughs) i don't know why people are doing other things but you look at dansby swanson year over year he's always like a 25 10 260 hitter like that's basically what he is and he's in the prime of his career Wrigley last year didn't play well for homers, but historically it has played well for homers. So, you know, I don't know, maybe the humidor had something to do with it last year, but I think, you know, Swanson could easily top 30 homers for the first time in his career. He's going to be stealing. Like, why wouldn't they let him run? If he wants to run, run, bro. There's no one else in the lineup. Run away. And, like, his average, I don't know. I mean, his Ks have always been around 25%, which, you know, isn't necessarily ideal for a high average. But he's always hit 255, 260. So, like, why can't he do that again? I don't know. Honestly, like, I have no idea why people are fading Dansby Swanson. He's so, like, to me, he's so easily a top, like, five or six shortstop. And the position is really good. And I still think that, and, uh, oh, by the way, last year, he was ninth overall on the on the uh, Rasball Player Raider. So ninth overall last year, and somehow getting faded 
to the like he's easily by far the biggest fade from the top ten of last year's player raider. Like last year's player raider, you know, every guy in the top ten is going like in the top twenty overall, except for Dansby Swanson, who's going around eighty. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm all in on Swanson. Yeah, I mean, he he might as well just be like the podcast guy. Like he's our guy. Like considering the value. Like just associate Dansby Swanson with us because, like, again, even if they have the average drops and the county numbers drop, he's going to give you the same like home run stolen base numbers you're getting from the guys that are sitting in the top thirty. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me, Gray. Um, I just. I, I, I. The only thing I can put to it is people keep thinking back to like early Dansby Swanson. So like the way I was saying, Lindor has changed in the last three years. Swanson has also changed in the last four years, but. On the other side, like Swanson keeps getting better. He's hitting the ball with more authority, whereas Lindor is going the opposite way. Like, I, it's just, it's baffling to me. Let, let's move on before I just keep talking. Um, next tier here, number eight, O'Neill Cruz. Last year, he went 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 45, 45, or 45, 54, sorry, 233, 294, 450, and 87 games in the majors. In 55 games in the minors, he had nine home runs, 11 stolen bases, and hit 232. Gray, you have projected for 30 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 79, 77, and 246. I mean, I love love the upside of O'Neill Cruz here, and he did finish well, so that helps that helps at least make me feel better about him moving forward into this year. Yeah, no, completely. For uh, for people who aren't aware, at the end of last year, I think it was like end of August, he went out and he hired his own batting coach because the Pirates uh, suck and he didn't want to <laughs> and he didn't want to suck with them. So he went out and hired his own uh, hitting coach, and you know, in the in the final month, he cut his strikeouts. He hit two eighty eight in September. So for, you know, I'm even saying 246 or whatever. Um, so I'm even saying he's probably, you know, going to struggle a little bit on batting average. But I even may be underestimating his batting average. Like, I think that's really, like, if you see how loud his skills are, like, if you see him play, you know, the only thing he's missing in his game is potentially you know, uh, batting average. Like, that's it for fantasy, at least. And, uh, you know, he's not missing anything else in real baseball either, <laughs> if, you've seen, if you've seen the arm. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably pound for pound, I want to say, the best bet to go from wherever he is in ADP, I think it's around 70 overall, to, like, the top, five overall for next year like if he puts together his batting average this year he's gonna be a top five guy he may be a top three guy like i wouldn't be shocked if o'neill cruz like if o'neill cruz hits 275 this year it's gonna come with 30 plus homers 15 plus steals and he's gonna be a top 10 guy on the player raider like his like he's he's got that kind of upside easily i i wouldn't be shocked to see him struggle a little bit still on average and why I'm projecting him for, you know, as low an average as I am. So I, I wouldn't like, I'm not banking on him being a top five guy, but he's got, he's got that sort of upside. I would say, you know, to be realistic, I wouldn't be shocked to see him end up 
next year ADP around like twenty, uh, like eighteen to twenty-two, like somewhere in that range, and have like you know hit like two fifty this year with great homers and power, and be sort of like how Bobby Witt is sitting in the uh, in ADP this year. So you know O'Neill Cruz, I could see him putting together a great year, but still struggling a little bit on average. There's a chance he doesn't struggle at all, but I, I kind of think he probably is going to a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the strikeout rate, even even after you know he got his swing fixed and, and the numbers look better across the board, the strikeout rate was still high. He's, he, I mean, he's just a guy who's aggressive at the plate. He wants to put the ball in play. Like, if you're thinking of kind of the swing, the mental swing cop, it's like Javi Baez, except that he takes walks. Like, he actually will just, he'll watch more pitches go by than Javi Baez ever did. But that's the kind, like, he wants to hit the ball. He doesn't want to, he doesn't really want to walk. Um, but to your point about the skills and how fast he can move up, he was 11th in barrels, 12th in sprint speed, 24th in average exit velocity, and 48th in hard hit rate. And that's despite the fact he did not even play, like, the whole season in the majors. So he's, he wasn't, he didn't even have a half a season of samples that other people had. Like, put those numbers out. Right, that, exactly. Like, it's it's like he was, I don't, you know, I, I, I've gone back to this example so many times in the past, but, like, if you look at Mike Trout's rookie year, he didn't hit for good average either. Like, it's like people are not giving O'Neill Cruz any benefit of the doubt that he can actually get better with his contact. So, like, I honestly, I mean, I think he's probably – I you know I I mean I'd probably have him roughly at his ADP maybe a little bit higher and I want to draft him everywhere. It's gonna be honestly it's gonna be hard for me to be like I want to draft every shortstop. So <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I, I might leave the top 100 with like four shortstops and have like one shortstop, one MI, one utility, and one shortstop. Like I'm, I might have O'Neill Cruz <laughs> on my bench because I'm going to have so many shortstops. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in again on O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, it's, it's an upside play. You are, you are banking on some growth here, but the tools are so loud. If you've if you've taken a little bit of safety already in your draft, or if you're just you know the type of drafter like I, I think myself and Gray are, where you know we, we we tend to shoot more upside because what's the point in just banking a boring, terrible stat line like taking I don't know George Springer over over Dansby Swanson, which is happening by the way, like that's just not us. So yeah, I love Ono Cruz. I love that he's this high, and I think there's some great numbers to come ahead. Uh, moving on oh, to number. Oh, go ahead. oh, oh, yeah, the uh, <laughs> Dansby, Dansby, uh, George Springer over Dansby. That's just like <laughs> George Springer I, and Alex Bregman are currently going over Dansby Swanson. Okay, okay. is so it twenty seventeen, Gray? I know. So here, so Alex Bregman specifically, like his. I mean, we'll talk about him in the third baseman, but like his. Ceiling is like, I mean, he well, he did have that MVP and yeah, great year. season at one time. <laughs> yeah, but that was like the bouncy ball 2019 insane. Possibly cheating. Like Alex, <laughs> yeah, possibly cheating. I mean, come on, possibly. I mean, well, well documented. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Alex Bregman though is like, what's he 24? 
No, I don't know. I'll even say 25. 25 homer, three steal, 270. Dansby Swanson beats all that, bro. <laughs> like, how is Dansby Swanson going after him? Like, it's like, ah, what are you, like, what are people talking about with some of these, like, drafting? I, I people are stuck, anyway, yeah, people are stuck on Dansby Swanson from, like, seven years ago that isn't him now. Uh, moving on, though, let's talk about number nine, Gunnar Henderson, another very fun prospect that's that we hope is, is coming up and playing this year. He should be. I don't see why not. Um, by the way, I'm drafting him just in case I don't win so that I can say in the Mighty Ducks voice, you lost it for me, Gunner. Um, <laughs> and he'll probably be third base only, depending on where you play, but he's going to get shortstop, assuming he makes the lineup. Last year, in 34 games in the majors, he had four home runs and a stolen base and hit 259. 47 games at double-A. Uh, okay, I don't have those numbers. And 65 games at triple-A, he had 11 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and hit 288. Gray Young projected for 25 home runs, 12 stone bases, 68-81-269. I mean, Gunnar Henderson is another just phenomenal prospect with just loud tools. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, like, I was uh, I was texting with uh, Jeff, uh, the last podcast host, um, and uh, actually, if you get fired, you and Jeff could start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The X Rasball podcast. We may just start that anyways and just keep a rotation going. There's enough people. I mean, we can always find somebody to jump in. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was talking with uh, Jeff, and he was. I was saying like uh, Gunner and Corbin Carroll. Could they be like uh, Bobby Witt and uh, Julio Rodriguez of uh, last year? And he said absolutely. He thought Gunner. Actually, because of his contact, like he thought Gunner could be the best of of all uh, of uh, definitely better than Bobby Witt. He thought um, Julio Rodriguez is on another plane, but better than Bobby Witt was what he was saying. Um, so, I mean, that's the upside, you know, like look where look where Bobby Witt's going. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. is going this year. Like, uh, I think he's actually up to like nine overall, which I think is crazy. <laughs> but I that's, that's a, <laughs> that, feels, that feels a little bit crazy. But, you know, I mean, I have him ranked at like 15, so it's not like it's a big difference. But anyway, Gunner, you know, Gunner's tools could be like 25, 15, 280. <laughs> like, he could, like he could hit for a really good average, on top of the the twenty five fifteen numbers, so yeah, I mean, again, another like really exciting um, prospect, uh, another great exciting shortstop. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Gunner, uh, you know, specifically, like I don't, you know, I mean, the, here's a uh, here's some uh, Rudy slander, like. The the projections hate Gunner. <laughs> I don't know for what reason, honestly. I'm not sure. But, like, Steamer specifically is really down on Gunner Henderson. Like, it's like he's – it's like Gunner Henderson, based, like, 17.8 homers. Okay, so say 18 homers. 18 homers and, uh, yeah, not not great. It's all, it's all not good. <laughs> Two two forty nine average. I mean, that's like insane. There's no way 
if Rudy's going off of his own projections, there's no way he's drafting Gunnar Henderson. I don't I don't see why why he would hit like only 18 homers and uh I I mean yeah, I mean Baltimore is a terrible stadium, but I don't know. I I you know whatever. I it's hard for me to uh, like, you know, uh suppose why someone else is projecting a guy for what they are, but yeah, for whatever it's worth some of the projections hate Gunnar Henderson. So, you know, I guess take that with a grain of salt. But I think the tools look right. I mean, they look good. He's only 20. He's 21. He doesn't turn 22 until June. If you saw, like, I think it was, was it the his first hit was a home run? Or was it his first game? I don't know. I think it was his first game. Um, I remember watching him hit that home run and, like, he powered that ball out like and and he's also hitting from the left side which is still an easier side it's you know Baltimore doesn't play very uh, it, Baltimore isn't as bad for lefties uh unless they're going the other way which you know he does a decent amount but not to the point where it's going to kill his power he could pull enough balls out of uh, Camden to be fine so yeah i i think Gunnar Henderson could be another Guy, like he could be another top 20 guy overall next year. It's very possible. Yeah, and I think there's, I mean, honestly, I think there's room for growth that's not even being, uh, you know, projected out even by you. And you have, you know, very favorable projections because, I mean, if we're just thinking about like the, he, he has, I think personally, he has almost the same amount of power as O'Neill Cruz. Maybe not quite as the, maybe not quite the same. Exactly, but because he's a little bit more patient about what he swings at, whereas O'Neill Cruz is just swinging as hard as he can at everything, Gunnar Henderson has a little bit better approach. But if we're just looking at his numbers, now he didn't qualify for like the rates and everything, but if we just stick his numbers into the, the leaderboard here, he would have been top five at ever, average exit velocity. He would have been a top five player in hard hit rate. Like he makes solid contact with the ball. So, um, you know, if you, everything we put on O'Neill Cruz could be said about Gunnar Henderson. And honestly, he's pro- like you said, he's probably a little bit safer just because the K rate isn't going to be crazy, stupid high like it might be with O'Neill Cruz again. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to the next Moving tier. On to the next tier. This is a guy that I never end up with. At number 10 is Corey Seeger. Uh, we finally got the power we thought he had. We lost the average in the transition. And uh, I mean, I don't know. It's always like a Rudy guy that that he always ends up drafting. Um, but both <laughs> of you, both of you have the average coming back up. Maybe the shift rules help him. You know, he's a lefty. Any any lefties probably helped a little bit by the shift rules. I I just I hate his ADP. Everybody's always higher on him than I am. Talk. Is there something you can t- tell me that I'm going to like Corey Seager better? No, I mean, no, <laughs> no, okay. no, because you know what? Like, I, I don't necessarily like, I just felt like with Corey Seager, the, you know, I thought his average could come back up. And if the power was good, uh, he's actually, I will say there's a, a quick aside. I, we mentioned this in a previous podcast. I think we mentioned in the second baseman podcast about, um, you know, the ball in Texas because they were using a commemorative ball. It was bouncier than other balls. So, and Corey Seager hit a lot of home home runs. 
Like uh, he hit majority of his home runs. He had 22 homers at home versus 11 on the road. So yeah, that's a little bit of a concern, you know, and then, like I said earlier, I don't really, I don't look at ADP necessarily when I'm uh, doing my rankings. So, you know, I'm saying uh, I'm like, I feel positive on Corey Seager when I'm doing my rankings. And then you're right. Like you look at ADP for him and you're like, well, there's no way I'm drafting him. <laughs> it's, just not, <laughs> it's just not possible. Like, honestly, because he's going before O'Neill Cruz and Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson, he's going before by a lot. Like he's going uh, like 25 spots, uh, like almost two rounds in front of Dansby Swanson in a 15-team league, definitely two rounds in a 12-team league. So Corey Seager is going so much before Dansby Swanson, that alone tells you there's no way I'm drafting Corey Seager. Like, if, you know, push came to shove and I was drafting a shortstop at that point, even if I like Corey Seager, if Dansby Swanson's on the board, I'm taking Dansby Swanson. So it's like, it doesn't even matter Really, like, if I like Corey Seager or not, there's just no way I'm drafting him. And, you know, the more I look at him, like, I don't want to, you know, in the past, I think it was, maybe it was 2021. I, you know, I think like two years ago when he had a, he had a uh, 16 homers, I think. I don't know. People were drafting him real high one of those years. Maybe it was even earlier. Maybe it was like 2019. There was a year when I wrote a, uh, a Schmohawk post for Corey Seager saying he was overrated. So I don't really want to go back to that well again because, you know, been there, done that. But I do feel like Corey Seager is overrated. I could probably <laughs> write the Corey Seager's overrated post every year because he's always overrated. Yeah, he got he gets kind of the Correa treatment without, like, the fact that Correa's now dropped in ADP. But Seager st- still keeps getting it for some reason. Um, he did have that crazy 2020 season with the shortened season where he hit 15 home runs and 52 games and, and 307. And, like, he was he was one of the best players in fantasy for 52, fantasy games. 52 games. Yeah, so definitely. So, and so was uh, Luke Voigt. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, the ADP just puts him out of a range that either of us are going to draft. And whether we like, like, I think he's a solid baseball player in real life, I, would, I wouldn't mind having him on the Cubs. I don't want any part of him inside the top 60 draft picks. Like, that's crazy to me in front of the guys he's going in front of. All right. Yeah. Moving on, number 11 was Andres Jimenez. We talked about him in the second baseman. Number 12 is Willie Adamas. Uh, oh, look, it's Corey Seager 50 picks later. Um, last year, he had 31 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 83, 98, 238. You have him projected for 32 home runs, 7 stolen bases, 79, 90, 242. I mean, I don't mind if Willie yeah, Dallas where I mean, he's going, if Seager's if Cor- <laughs> going where he's going. I know. Like, it's like, if people just... I, I feel like the uh, that whole that game where people like take away a player's name and just leave their stats. Like if people were to just look at the stats and see Willie Adamas going like sixty picks after Corey Seager, they would be like, if you just looked at the numbers, you'd be like, why, why, like because Corey Seager. Even saying Corey Seager's upside is thirty homers, which I don't know necessarily if it if it is or not. Um, but say it's thirty homers he's like uh i don't know what's uh four four or five steel guy like you know i mean it's Corey seager 
<laughs> I don't I don't know. It's like he's not a big time steal guy. I have him like projected for two steals, but say say it's four steals. So 34 270. William and that's pushing it on average because he didn't hit that good of an average. That's Corey Seager. Then you say, say William Adamas's numbers you take away Willie Adamas's name and you just leave his stats. He's a 30 homer, eight, eight steal, 250 hitter. So it's like, so the difference between 20 points on average between Seeger and Adamas, but less steals with Seeger and probably less power. And you're saying Seeger should go 50 point, 50 spots ahead in ADP? Like, what? It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Again, I like Willie Adamas a lot. I don't know how many shortstops I could potentially draft. (laughs) You know, I kind of wish some of these guys would have other eligibility, like, you know, so I could draft them in other spots. But, yeah, I mean, I like Willie Adamas as well. I think he's, you know, at 27 years old, he's just coming into his prime. He just hit 31 homers. That doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel like a stretch to say he can hit even for more power. Like he was, you know, like he was a guy who, um, you know, with the Rays specifically, he was another guy who I like. I I sort of uh, I barnacled my myself onto the narrative that he was saying he could he could see the ball much better in road games than when he was playing at the Trop. And the numbers, you know, they bared that out. And he showed that, like, as soon as he left Tampa, everything he's done in Milwaukee has shown that he's probably an easy 30-ish homer guy. Like, he's 30 homer. Willie Adamas with seven, seven steals at least. And... Uh, I mean, the average is going to be, it's not going to be like amazing, but you know, he's around a 250 hitter. Yeah. I mean, I I would say maybe five steals is kind of the at least number, but yeah, I mean, he's going to give you a handful of steals. And I think, like you said, the power is legitimate. And this is another one where I I think people are, again, trying to remember like the first two, three years of Willie Adamas, again, with the Rays. Whereas if you go look at the numbers, if you look at everything that's happened in the last two seasons, like he's made significant jumps across the board. Like barrel rate is up like two to three percent, which is massive for barrel rate. Uh, hard hit rate is up. I mean, again, it, like it's not even close. Uh, launch angles increased. Exit velocity is, is up like everything across the board. For Willie Adamas is on the way up. He's entering his twenty age twenty seven season, and I think in that part, given what he's shown in his last two seasons, there's even more room for growth for his average because he only had a two seventy eight Babbitt last year. That goes to that Babbitt thing we led off the show with, but like he's never had a Babbitt lower than three thirty before. So if he just hits his normal career Babbitt or you know in between last year and this year. There's still room for him to grow, go up in Babbitt and become a 255, 260 hitter like he's shown before. Yeah, totally. All right, so number 13 is Gleyber Torres, and number 14 is Tommy Edmond. We already talked about them on the second base, so we're going to move on to the next tier. At number 15 is Tim Anderson. We are getting the name brand retail markup tier. Uh, I like the name of it, so that's why you're getting this one. Getting this one. 
Uh, last year, in 79 games, Tim Anderson had six home runs, 13 stolen bases, 50-25, and hit 301. He had two IL stints, or I think at least two, with a groin and a hand. Uh, the 3.3 launch angle is not great, great, but uh, it's kind of a, was it the injuries? Was it him? What? Where are you at on Tim Anderson? Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I like him as a player, but I, I feel like he's like the second coming of Whit Merrifield. I, I don't really, I don't really buy the power. I feel like the Babbitt has been really, uh, the Babbitt's been booing his average for a long time. At, at a certain point, I mean, he's now, he's 29, he turns 30 in June. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it might be too early to say the Babbitt is going to plummet, but I mean, it was down 30 points last year. If it's down, if it's down like in the 320 range, he's going to hit 270. I've already said I don't really think the power's real. The speed, at, you know, the speed's never been elite. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I like I like Tim Anderson a lot as a player, so it's hard for me to be, you know, too crazy negative on him, but I just don't see it. I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not in on Tim Anderson, like, this year. I, I you know, the injuries have been mounting. He hasn't played in more than 123 games since 2018. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just not in on Tim Anderson, unfortunately. I just feel like there's, you know, there's a bit of a, there's a markup just on his name, his name value alone that I just can't get behind. Yeah, I don't mind Tim Anderson. I think it's it's one where it depends on his draft cost because I've seen him go very early in drafts where like people are basically just ignoring last year and drafting him based off of what he'd done previously. And I've seen other drafts where he falls and he just falls and falls and falls and then he's a great value. So he's, he's a value play for me. It just depends on where he's going. I think the speed's there. I'm not really worried about the speed. Uh, the power is a legitimate concern, but I think for me it's more in the launch angle than it is in the actual like hard contact and numbers because the launch angle keeps decreasing and it becomes a point where like you can't hit more than 15 home runs if you're going to have a sub five launch angle like see Christian Yelich you hit the ball bar just halt the ball as hard as you want but if you hit it in the ground it's it's not going to go over the fence um so I, I think the average is fine I think the stolen bases are fine uh, I just don't know if the home runs are ever really going to be back to where we thought it would be. Yep. Moving on is number 16, Wander Franco, who I, I think people would kind of put in the same bucket, but I, I personally, I, I think there's still a lot more to come as he's still only 21. We tend to forget that with Franco because we've been talking about him for what feels like a decade. Uh, last year in 83 games, he hit six home runs, eight stolen bases, 46, 33, 277, you have projected for 22 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 84, 77, 291. Uh, if we want to play the fun pro Raider game in April, he had 313, four home runs, three stolen bases. That was the healthiest he was, he all, was season. all season. And then at the end, of the, end season, of the season, when he finally came back, he had 322 with a home run, three stolen bases. Yeah, you know, I, I do think Wander Franco still has, like, top 20 overall type value. Like, I, I'm still in on Wander. I but in the big picture in the uh, for this year I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna draft him I don't mind him like again like 
I actually, I like Wander Franco to me feels like he could be Luis Arias, but with actual homers and steals. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think, like I think, I think he could hit three twenty and hit you know maybe twenty homers and steal fifteen bags. Like you know, like I was. I was taking uh, I was taking a beating last year with people saying that I overprojected him for steals because uh, I thought he had like you know 15 steal possibility and he didn't get there last year but that was more because of the injuries than anything mm-hmm. else like he stole eight bags in half a year I think if he wants he could steal 15 to 20 bags I don't know if he's gonna want to but I think if he wants to he could. And you know he I was actually he he stole eight bags last year and he got caught zero times, so yeah no I think like and the power, the it, like he's definitely a line drive hitter more than a power hitter like his his fly balls uh, last year is only thirty one percent, his homer per fly ball is only sixteen point seven I think that's probably a little bit low but he is mostly a line drive hitter, if he can get to like, seventeen homers. 17 steals he could hit 315 and that's really valuable like you know a a near 2020 guy hitting three you know 310 or higher is super valuable so yeah i mean i like wander i it's just a matter of the position being just so stacked i think there's probably a good chance i take someone like dansby swanson lindor or even earlier on, like Trey Turner or Bo Bichette, like if I have a shortstop already, I mean, I might take a Wander Franco with my MI before I leave the top 100. But there's just so many shortstops I could see potentially not getting Wander because of that reason. But it's not that I really totally dislike Wander Franco. Yeah, I, I... I understand what you're saying, and, and I, I think I agree in general. I think when you get to this point, when you're looking at, I don't know, he's going, you know, in the mid-80s, so it kind of depends when you get to this point what you're looking for. Um, like, if you've taken, a, I don't know, a, you know, a Bobby Witt, an Adalas Garcia, if you've taken some potential average risk or you've gone, like, I don't, you know, that's where you could go with like a guy wander, balance out the average, still give you power speed combo. So you're not just like coughing it up and going with somebody that's, that's only average or, you know, like a Brian Reynolds type. Like he, Wander Franco still has more upside, but he's also going to, you know, potentially buoy your average completely out if you've gone with some more average risky players to this point. So I feel like he's a, he's a piece if it, if it's the right time. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, next up is Xander Bogarts going at number seven. Um, I, I love Xander. I've always loved him as a real baseball player. Uh, I, I feel like we're kind of entering Corey Seager territory where his name is just carrying his ADP. Uh, he signs his 11-year deal in San Francisco. He'll hit retirement age in San, San Diego. Or San Diego, sorry. Um, so he hit 15 runs, eight stolen bases, 84, 73, 307 last year. You have projected. You have him projected for seventeen home runs, seven stolen bases, 87, 82, 292. Um, I mean, the numbers were down a little bit across the board, the contact numbers, but he had issues like all across the season: um, shoulder, back, cami, thigh. Like he had a bunch of little things kind of 
nagging him all year. It seems like you're you're at least kind of back in on him getting some of that power back um, and the average staying up. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still not drafting him though. <laughs> I, I am. I, I mean, I am. I'm in on him basically doing what he's been doing more or less. Like not to the point where, like you know, in 2019 when he had 33 homers. I'm not saying he's getting back there. I mean, you know, I, I, if I'm projecting him for 17 homers, it's still like nowhere near. I mean, it's below most projections. Most projections ha- have him at 19, 19 to 20 homers. Uh, uh, but I mean, I, he's fine. I just think, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it's all. This is really just a name, a name brand sort of tier where you have a bunch of guys who are getting drafted high, and you know they probably weren't if you were to just look at their stats. And Bogart specifically is probably going to be as valuable as his draft pick. Like I don't think he's going to be like I don't think he's necessarily going to disappoint because if he hits two ninety in the Padres lineup. He's going to be fine, like, uh, for fantasy value. It, it may not be the most exciting fantasy value. Like, you know, 17 homers isn't really very exciting once, you know, the season's going on. And I'm only projecting him for seven steals. Again, that's not really that – it's not that exciting. Like, it's not a very exciting line, but it's fine for, like, fantasy value. I'd be shocked – you know, if he gets drafted, his ADP right now is at 87 overall. If he were to get drafted at 87 overall, I'd be shocked if he has, if he ends up on the Rasball Player Raider below 87 overall at the end of the year. Like, he he is probably going to be worth his draft pick. It's just like, do you want that boring of a draft pick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It, it is definitely a you get like you're getting what you're expecting with Bogart. It's not a it's not an upside play. It's not a no nail cruise. It's not a Gunnar Henderson like you're getting average. You're getting runs, RBIs, and a handful of stolen bases. Like that's what you're getting with Xander Bogarts, and you know it. Like it just yeah. Like here, for instance, he was 68th overall on the player Raider last year. So around 70, and he's going at like 86, 87. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would expect, too. I would expect the same. Like, you know, he gets drafted around 80 overall, and he ends up around 70 overall. Eh? 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say Rudy's average is is down quite a bit, and I wonder if that has, the, and I'm guessing it does, has moved from Boston to San Diego. You're losing, you know, those those hits against the, against the big monster there, like, that could potentially bring the average down, but I still think he's still going to be good for you know a, a plus average here. Yeah, no, definitely. You're you're right. I uh, I I would probably I'd put money on it that that's the reason why Rudy has his average lower. It's because of the move, like because Fenway is such a high Babbitt Park that it it uh you know it, it raises everyone's average a little bit. You know, last year in in Fenway. Well, not in Fenway, but on the season, he had a 362 Babbitt. Uh, so that's probably coming down to like three, 320 to 330, maybe, three, 315 even. So that's going to hurt his average a little bit. 
but he hit 307 last year. You know, if he if you take like <laughs> you take 10 to 15 points off of there, he's still hitting 290 ish. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I just wanted to point it out since Rudy's numbers do have him down a little bit. So if you if people are looking at Rudy's rankings, the average is probably what's dragging him down um, beyond this point. Number eighteen is Carlos Correa, um, maybe the only person in the world with an, an ankle that's an worse, ankle than that's mine. worse than mine. He, <laughs> Wait a minute, you have a bad ankle? What? Yeah, just you know, you play enough basketball in your youth, uh, and uh, you have terrible ankles. So that's that's what happened with me. Um, I, I think it's fi- it's finally possible Carlos Correa has crossed the value threshold grade where I might actually draft him this year. Last year he had 22 home runs, 70, 64, 291. The other projected for 23 home runs, two stolen bases, 83, 71, and a 283 average. Like Correa might actually be on my team this year for the first time in, I don't know, like five years, six years. Yeah, no, totally. I uh, I could see him. I could after like after once he signed with the Giants. Uh, I mean the Mets. I mean, <laughs> I mean the Twins. I yeah, no. I mean, honestly, I agree. For the first time ever, I could see drafting Carlos Correa just because of the ADP alone. Like if he's going at like one twenty. Uh, right now, his ADP is 116. If he goes at 120-ish, yeah, I could see drafting him because, like, what's his num- – what, what are his numbers? Like, you know, just taking him versus Bogarts. Bogarts, who's going at 87, and Carlos Correa, who's going 30 picks later. So what's really the difference between those two? Like, five steals? Mm, okay, like fine, <laughs> but Correa is going to hit for more power. So Correa hits twenty five homers. Bogart hits seventeen. Correa hits two eighty. Bogart hits two ninety. Bogart steals, you know, five to seven bags, and Correa steals none. Okay, I mean. Those are basically the same. I don't. I mean, yeah, I agree. I'm not. I'm never. I've never been a Carlos Correa fan for fantasy. But you're right. At this point, I think his ADP has finally reached the point where I could see drafting Carlos Correa. Like, imagine like Carlos Correa as your MI. That sounds really good. Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy with that. That's very doable, given where he's going. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is the first year we're both actually in on Correa. Um, and it's the first year I've been on him since, like, 2017, when we thought he was still going to steal bases, and that never really came to for any more fruition. Next up is a new tier. Number 19 is Jeremy Pena. Last year he went 22 home runs, 11 stolen bases, 72, 63, 253. UM down for 24 home runs. 12 stolen bases, 75, 79, 243. Uh, he did lose some batting or batting average in the second half. And I guess the negative is really that, like, he, there's not a lot of room for him to move up in the lineup given, you know, the Astros lineup is constructed the way it is. Yeah, too. And, uh, and Jeremy Pena, unlike a lot of Astro hitters, he's actually one who is, uh, he, he could struggle on average. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to see him, like, get, you know, like, out of all these guys so far that we've mentioned, I think we're at a point where, like, I could see him being, like, a guy who could really tank. 
<laughs> I, I'm not saying he will, but I, I could see, like, I really, like, okay, so backing up. So Jeremy Pena is a guy who I was in big time last year. I really like Jeremy Pena. I felt like he was a steal going at, like, 250 to 275 overall last year. Now, I feel like he's probably around what he should be. Like, this is, his ADP has finally caught up to where his value is. So I don't think he's necessarily like overrated going around like 115 overall, but I do think there's a chance that like Jeremy Pena could potentially disappoint because he has like, he has a propensity for like really making some, like he doesn't make great contact and he swings a lot. Like his swing, he had the six highest uh, swinging strike rate. Uh, uh, like for balls outside the zone. Um, so, you know, you swing at enough pitchers' pitches, your average is going to bottom out. Like, you know, I have him projected for like, what, 243. So I have him at 243. I'm actually on the low side. Most people have him higher than that uh, in their projections. I, I think I'm still like, I, I mean, I think he probably hit 240 plus. But I think there's a real chance he could hit even lower and become like the nine hole hitter who is really just about the glove. Like he like he could become a glove first guy like he and he has a I mean, he has a great glove. Uh, so I don't think he's going to get like, you know, demoted to the bench or something like I think he's going to stay in the lineup. I think he'll be fine. But I do I do worry that, you know, last year we saw potentially the best like pitchers pitchers could work him over if they have a better game plan is that's my real concern with him. Yeah. And I know <clears throat> the thing that I think is, uh, and I know you said you think his draft value is about right. And maybe it is, you know, he's, he's, you know, a potential 2010 guy with a decent at with an average that's not going to bury you. Um, but I will say, like, I think the postseason numbers are are potentially booing his his draft stock a little bit. Everybody remembers he was great in the playoffs. He hit three forty fives. He had four home runs. I mean, he was he was amazing in the playoffs. But like, it, it, for the for the most part, his season kind of declined as the season went on until the postseason. Um, so I am I'm with you that I'm worried that there is a little bit of a. A bottoming out factor here. And again, and he's also, if you think seven. about like if you think <laughs> about what I said, like the the his sixth highest on balls outside the zone, uh, swinging uh, swinging rate of balls outside the zone. If you think about like the narrative there, like if you're in the postseason, you're facing pitchers only one or two times. Guys are not getting a chance to really like you know establish like how to a game plan to go against you. But when you get into the long season, you get into the regular season, 162 games, guys formulate a plan real quick. And it's like, Oh, we don't have to throw this guy strikes. You know, that, that may, that may play in the postseason because people don't realize like they can avoid throwing you strikes. But in the postseason, I mean, excuse me, in the regular season, when they see like you have an under 4% walk rate, and you swing at a lot of balls, it's not a great recipe for success. <clears throat> no, no, it's not. And the power is not really that loud. I think 22 is 
I know he's only 24, but 22 feels like the most that he's going to put up, and that's really thankful to the Crawford boxes there. Just looking at his, his scatter chart, I mean, it, it looks like he wouldn't have maybe even half of those in other parks. Um, but I do think the speed is something where if they just let him run, like if they're like, whatever, you're going to hit eight, seven, eight, nine, you get on base, you run. I think that could be where his value comes from because he has top-level speed. I mean, he's he could steal 25, 30 bases, if they let him, I, I just don't know. That's really not how the Astros have, have really played, um, you know, in recent times outside of, you know, the random pop-up seasons with, with a few stolen base guys. But I, I just don't know if I see that. Yeah, agreed. Moving on to number 20 is Ahmed Rosario. Last year he had 11 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 86-71 and 283. You have him projected for 12 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 81, 68, and 281. So pretty much exactly what he did last year. Um, it's, it's a guy that the shift rules, I think, could potentially help out just because he hits a ton of ground balls, fourth most among qualified hitters. Um, but where are you at on Ahmed Rosario? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he sort of feels not too dissimilar from, like, an Andres Jimenez, who we mentioned in the second base uh uh, podcast where like he feels kind of like floor ish like you know it's not I don't know if the there's going to be huge upside with the power uh, specifically like he hit 11 homers the last two years um, and I don't know I mean maybe maybe uh, 15 homers could be a, a, a high potentially uh, I don't think he's really going above that though and steals yeah, I mean, he's got some speed. He's definitely he's fast enough to steal. I don't know if he's going to really get to, like, 30, 30 steals. Like, that feels high. He does have great contact, good plate discipline. Uh, you know, he swings He swings a lot. He doesn't walk a ton, but he does, he does make contact. And good contact with speed, that's a, you know, that's a recipe for, like, a 270-plus average. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like, say... 12 homers, 20 steals, 270. There's, I mean, there's worse things you could put at your MI slot. It's, I don't think there's really any huge upside, though. Yeah, I think you're chasing the stolen bases, you know, at the point you're taking Ahmed Rosario. And it's coming with, you know, solid line across the board. So you're not losing out on average. He's not a zero in the home run. So you're not getting a, you know, a Rias type here. Um, I do think there is upside on Stone Bay. I mean, he is he is fast. He is one of the fastest players on the, on the field at any given time. So I do think that there's potential for more stolen bases. I mean, I, again, I think he could be a 25-30 guy if they let him run. I don't know if Cleveland's going to let him run. And it, it, it seems like Stephen Kwan probably gets a majority of the time at, at leadoff spot. Maybe that depends on whether they're going righty or lefty. Um but I, I do think the speed is potentially there to make him that be the area that he's kind of a, a top-notch player for you and maybe move up his yeah, stock a little bit. Maybe move up his stock a little bit. Yep. All right, 21 is Tyro Estrada. We already talked about him in the second baseman. So we're moving on to number 22, which is Nico Horner. Last season he had 10 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 60, 55, and 281. Yeah, I'm projected for 13 home runs, 24 stolen bases, 81, 62, 284. So a slight bump on the power and speed. You know, he did miss a little bit of time dealing with an arm issue towards towards the end of the season. Um, so that's that's kind of where I think the extra comes from. But 
Nico Horner seems like, uh, you know, kind of what we just talked about with Ahmed Rosario a little bit. Yeah, no, I think actually Nico Horner, like every year I, I, I write a, uh, I write a bunch of sleeper posts in like October, November. And then I, you know, I, I dole them out over the course of like November, December, January, right before the rankings drop. Uh, and, uh, you know, like sometimes I try and time them out, but there's like occasions where like uh, news will drop and like, you know, Carlos Correa signing with uh, every team in the major <laughs> leagues sort of messed me up a little bit because I, I had to uh, I had to stop my sleepers to talk about Carlos Correa on two different teams before he finally signed with us third. Um, so I didn't get to my uh, long story short, I didn't get to my Nico Horner sleeper post. I didn't get to uh, I didn't get to post it. I uh, I had it written, but I, I just never got to it. Um, cause it just got bumped and I mean, he's kind of like surprisingly, I think like I looked at his numbers and I was like shocked at how good he did last year. I don't, I don't think I realized like that he hit 10 homers and stole 20 bags and hit 281 in the major leagues and only, uh, you know, 517 plate appearances slash 481 at bats. I, I was shocked at how well he did. Like if he's hitting 10 plus homers again and stealing 20 plus bags and really good, like only 11% strikeout rate last year. Like if he's hitting 280, that's really good. (laughs) I was surprised at how good Nico Horner was. I guess I was, I might've been the only one though, because like I look at his ADP and his ADP is actually, pretty much in line with where it should be. So I'm, I'm sort of glad at the end of the day, I'm kind of glad I didn't do the, I didn't drop the sleeper post because he's not really a sleeper. He's going where he should be going. Like he does look like a med Rosario essentially just on a different team. Like he is like, you know, 12, 11, 10 to 12 homers, 20 ish, Steals and two seventy plus two seventy five plus average. Yeah, and I, I think you're right that it just kind of went unnoticed. And honestly, as a Cubs fan, if uh, anything on on the north side of Chicago went unnoticed last year, nobody can blame you because there was not a lot to be noticed. <laughs> but yeah, like he's he's perfectly fine, especially like as you get into deeper leagues. Like if he's your MI, or I mean, he could even be a backup at this point for you. Like that's a solid pick uh, where he's going. And even if, you know, he's your starting shortstop and you've kind of loaded up elsewhere, you could do a lot worse than 10, 20, and, you know, 280 average sitting at the top of a lineup, even even if it is the Cubs lineup. Number 23 is C.J. Abrams. We talked about him in second base. 24 is Jorge Polanco. This starts a new tier, by the way. 24 is Jorge Polanco. We talked about him in second base as well. So number 25 is Javier Baez. Last year, he had 17 home runs, 9 stolen bases, 64, 67, 238. Uh, you know, we I thought at least the power speed would hang on. It, it, nothing really hang on last year. But for what it's worth, the second half was a little bit better. He had 268, 8 home runs, and 6 stolen bases. And Comerica is moving in the fences and dropping the fences a little bit. So hopefully all of that combines to help a little bit. It does seem like you're giving him a little bit of a jump back, but not much. Uh, 19 home runs, 10 stolen bases. 70, 68, and 234. Rudy seems much more on board with the bounce back than you are. 
Yeah, I mean, his batting average versus sliders is just so hilariously awful. <laughs> I mean, he hit 196 last year versus sliders. I... I mean, I take him to like White Castle and see if he can get a slider in his mouth. <laughs> I'm just like, like looking at his numbers, and you're like, I don't know, man. I mean, there's such an obvious path for pitchers to attack him that I just worry that it's it's not going to get better if he can't figure out how to hit a slider. I mean, why would you throw him anything else? Like, it's just so funny, too, that, like, he actually, he walked a a, a decent, like, he, he ended up striking out a, a, a ton less. Like, last year, his strikeouts from year over year went from uh, 33.6% to 24.9%. And it's so, like, but it's honestly, that's kind of hilarious that his strikeouts got cut so dramatically in a year when he struggled so much but it's really obvious like if you look at his numbers why his strikeouts went down because at a certain point last year he just stopped swinging because he he realized he couldn't hit anything like he was hitting so poorly against sliders specifically like he he just stopped swinging at everything like if you threw him like he just like he his his strikes, like his strikeouts, just went down because he just stopped swinging, and pitchers were throwing so many balls in the dirt that a few of them ended up being balls. So it was like, oh wow, look at you know, look at this, you know, Javi Baez is getting better plate discipline. It's like not really, he's not <laughs> really. His plate discipline is still a mess. It just like it was a matter of him just not swinging at sliders because he couldn't hit them. It's odd, too, like, maybe there's a chance all, like, last year could have been a fluke. Like, that's possible because, like, he's at an age where I wouldn't bet on it being a fluke because, like, you know, he's not he's not exactly young anymore. He's just turned 30. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's not a fluke. But the, the thing with the sliders, like, the year before he hit 297 versus sliders. So it could have been fluky, like, it, but... I don't know. Like I, I'm not. I'm not willing to say 100% it was a fluke, but there is a chance that maybe he figured something out, and maybe it was like a uh, uh, a hitter's type yips for him, where he just was so in a funk that it just like it became a self fulfilling prophecy type thing, where like he thought in his head he couldn't hit sliders, so he couldn't hit them, so it became just like you know it. it Maybe he can come out of it. I don't know, but I'm I'm probably not drafting him to find out. <laughs> if we're being honest, I'm just like shortstop is just such a stack position that there's just no reason for me to draft Javi Baez. Yeah, and I mean and the thing is, like his whiff rate, if we just compare 21, 2021 and 2022, his whiff rate against the slider is exactly the same, Gray. His K rate against yeah. the slider in 21 was actually worse. Like, he struck out more against the slider in 2021 than he get, did in 2022, or than he did in mm-hmm. 2022. But, like, yeah. the, he just hit 196 rather than 276. His slider right. was 333 rather than 494. So, like, it could have been a mental thing. It could have just been, like, his his eyes that just didn't line up at Comerica. Like, that, that could be a thing. But, like I said, the second half was slightly better. So, 
I think there's some room for him to bounce back. I don't necessarily think we're getting like prime Javi Baez back at any point, but I think he could be, you know, more than a 230, 18 home run guy. I think he'd be like a 25 home run, 10 steal, 250 guy. Like, I, I think that's well within the realm of possibility. Yeah, completely. All right, moving on. And, uh, I mean, I don't know that we have to talk about him, but we're going to talk about him because he's our favorite player and we're, we're going to draft him regardless of the year. Um, Alberto Mondesi comes in at 26. He's traded to Boston, or traded for by Boston. Uh, last year he only played 15 games. He was terrible in those 15 games. He had 140. Um, you have him projected for seven home runs, 27 stolen bases, 49, 44, 253, and that's in 352 at-bats. Is there anything that we have to say about Alberto Modesty, or can we just go ahead and move on, because everybody knows what we have to say about him? <laughs> I love him. I love Alberto Mondesi. I, You know, I, I think... I, I mean, I don't think there's any chance that I drafted him, <laughs> or I draft him this year. I think, like, it's he's probably way off the board for me. I mean, there's... It's kind of silly to draft them. <laughs> I don't get. I don't see how you could get to the uh, the point where, uh, like, he's going in drafts and being like, you know what? That's what I I want. <laughs> I want that. I don't know. It's just like unless you're really desperate for steals, I guess you take a flyer. Like he's a very specific player at this point. Like, you know, you're. You're basically expecting nothing, and you're hoping for a random 35 steals. I think like that's that's kind of I guess what the 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 gamble is with Mondesi. I I won't be drafting him, but God bless if you are. I mean, good for you. <laughs> good good for you that you're able to stay optimistic after all these years. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate that because uh, he'll be on my teams. That that will happen. It will still happen because uh, if he just, you know, he can, he can win. He can win you a league. Uh, and so I'm going to always fall into that trap. It's just, just who I am, Greg. At least it's coming at a much, much less expensive draft cost finally. So I, I don't have to pay up for it at least. Yeah, moving, that's, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> moving on, number 27, uh, 27 through 30, we've talked about that is Jake Cronenworth, Brendan Donovan, Bryson Stott, and Chris Morrell. We talked about them all on the first or second baseman podcast. So number 31 is Ezekiel Tovar. Um, I'm a little shocked that the Rockies didn't swoop in and give Correa 15 years after all the deals got canceled on mm-hmm. him, but, but here we are. Um, Tovar had nine games up in the majors. He had one home run, hit 212 at not really important. And 66 games at double A, he had 13 home runs. 17 stone bases and hit 318. And he had five games at AAA. Again, not really all that important. You have projected for 11 home runs, 14 stolen bases, 51, 41, 264, and 402 at bats. So not a full season here for Tovar. Because why would the Rockies ever do that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, kind of like. Like Mondesi, I mean, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me 450 times, shame on Bud Black. I mean, like how many how many times do I have to go to the uh, the Bud Black well and be like, hey man, what do you think of Garrett Hampson, huh? <laughs> hey, what's up, Sam Hilliard? Whoa, <laughs> Rami Altavia, don't mind if I do. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. You know, it's like there's no way Bud Black's playing Tofar for like I have him down for 402 at bats. And that's and that's me giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's actually going to be an everyday starter. <laughs> like he's still going to miss. I'm still guessing he's going to miss 100 at bats because Bud Black is just going to bench him for no reason. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And and honestly, like if you like if he had like 60 grade speed and like, you know, to go with like a a spot in the everyday order for uh the Rockies, I might be more generous with his ranking and might be a little bit more optimistic, but he's only got like 15 steel speed and like 10 to 15 homer power. So, you know, even in best case scenario, I don't know, like what's he going to do? This is best case 17, 17. Like, okay. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It wouldn't be bad. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even see that happening to be honest. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty like whatever on Tofar. I mean, if he's there, in a very deep league, if he's there for like a utility spot, or like if I I wanted to grab him, you know, as like an upside flyer on my bench or something, like in a, a draft champions league, then sure. But this is ad, this is we're already done with like twelve team mixed leagues at this point when you're drafting Tofar, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, if we're just looking at ADP, the guys going around him, and I mean, it'll kind of give you an idea of what you're looking at in regards to like potential return like will myers is in this area i like will myers for a bounce back but like that's what you're looking for you're looking for a complete bounce back anthony rendon is he going to stay healthy for like 20 games and give you any value justin turner um chris morrell's down here like these are the types of jorge mateo we'll get to in a second like you're looking for a little bit of upside maybe some playing time and like you're hoping for the best out of out of this guys and this ter- this this area um, I will say, you know, you kind of mentioned the upside. Like, Tovar keeps outperforming his what he's supposed to do. Um, so I don't want to put anything on him. He's only going to be 21. Like, I don't want to cap his limit and say he's only like a 15, 20 guy. The, the power has never really been a big tool of his, but it seems like it's growing. The speed, I think, is maybe even underrated by prospect ranks considering the amount that he's been stealing. Um but, I mean, I, I think there's still some room for growth if he gets the playing time. But, yes, it's Bud Black. It's Colorado. So we'll see him in, like, mid-July, and they'll bury him on the, the death chart even then. So, like, it's, it's like, are you really going to wait for it on your roster? Probably not. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on, 32 through 38, we've already covered them in any number of podcasts. Uh, that is Luis Urias. Rodolfo Castro, Luis Garcia, Gavin Lux, uh, Luis Rengifo, Nick Gordon, and Enrique Hernandez. That gives us, that puts us into the 39 through 46 tier gray here. We're already over an, an hour, so let's just pick a couple out from this tier and maybe the next, and then like, I think the next tier is really the one maybe if we want to dig in anymore, we really should talk about because that's really the prospects that's where if people are going to take some gambles late maybe it comes from those groups yeah i i honestly like a bryce terang uh on the brewers like he looks like the guy who he's gonna it looks like he's gonna be the starter for the brewers um so if he is 
you know, the guy, which it looks like he is. I don't see why he wouldn't be at this point. I mean, he is a lefty, so he's going to get benched first lefties, but that's fine. I mean, like I've said in the past, you know, benching a, guys versus, benching a lefty versus a lefty is not a bad thing necessarily. And he has, like, you know, he, he's hit 13 homers, stole 34 bags, and hit 286 in AAA last year as a 22-year-old, and he's going to have a starting job. I'm honestly a little surprised that more hasn't been made of him, like, in drafts. Uh, like, he's going crazy late. Like, I think, Tur- let me see. Turan is right now going at 477 overall. So that is, like, basically free. Like, you can draft him whenever. Like, he's totally, like, you know, it's up to uh, it's up to you. Like, if you're taking a guy at... 300 overall or 500 overall it's basically the same thing <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> at that point um so yeah i mean i'm kind of surprised that like he's not even going like i would think like if you looked at terang's numbers of 13 homers 34 steals 286 in AAA last year if you were to look at just those numbers usually that would equate to like a top 200 overall pick but he's going, like I said, he's going way after that. So I don't know. I'm I'm not exactly sure. Like I'm not a prospect guy. I just you know I, I look at the numbers and I, and like what should we call it? Like itch likes him. Prospect people like him a lot. They think he's got a really good solid hit tool, uh, and he's got good power. And like I said, he's got great speed. So I mean, if you're looking at a guy late, like he's basically free in all drafts. So I would take, you know, I would look at him. And then uh, the other guy who is uh, also basically free uh, is uh, uh, Peraza, Oswald Peraza. So I am in the camp that I don't think the Yankees are going to go into the season with Peraza as a starter. I totally feel like, you know, the just because of the track record for like in past years, like the Yankees never – go to the rookie like they're they're gonna play like falafel over peraza probably like that's just my gut feeling i don't know if it's gonna be what it is i you know who knows but peraza for a super late pick last year in triple a he hit 19 homers stole 33 bags and hit 259 with only a 23 percent strikeout rate came up to the majors and hit pretty well hit 306 in only 22 uh excuse me 18 games again like i don't know if peraza is going to be the starter unlike terang who i think is going to start peraza may be like a utility guy slash he may get sent to the minors i don't know Uh, who knows what the yankees he should start over flaw over flawful but i don't know if he will but he's again a late flyer, you can do worse. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like both those calls on Peraza and and on uh, Terang. Uh, I guess just for the people listening, we did kind of skip a tier that we, we skipped over. Thirty nine was uh, Isaiah Cotter Falefa. Twenty was Jorge Mateo, um, who I actually wouldn't mind if he had a starting job. I just I just don't know if he's getting a full time starting job. Elvis Andrews, who's currently unsigned. Um, I'm surprised, again, the Rockies didn't give him a five-year deal. Ramon Urias at 42. Hassan Kim at 43. John Birdie, 44. 
Fidel Brujan at 45 and Aled Mestiaz at 46. Um, I will say in this group, other than Peraza and Terrain, I also like Ellie De La Cruz if he can manage to get you know the playing time for Cincinnati. Uh, he's got super loud tools. He's kind of in the mold of O'Neill Cruz. You know, they're just copying over last names there, but like they are. They're both very loud tools. They swing and miss a lot. Um, he only got the double A last year, but the Reds also don't really need have a reason to keep him there. So if he gets a call or if it sounds like he's getting playing time, I also like Ellie De La Cruz in this area as well, Greg. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I like him a lot. I, I feel like he's going to be a September call up. I don't see De La Cruz coming up uh, to really be a factor this year. But yeah, I mean, where he's going in drafts, it's not, it's not a terrible flyer. I would probably go Terang or Peraza b- before him. But yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, when the Reds trade away half their starting lineup in August or in July, then maybe he gets his his time up. Um, but you're right. There's there's probably not a whole lot of chance he breaks camp with them. But just a name to watch if you're waiting and just like you can you can take the shot on the guy and see if he makes camp or if, if news comes out he might he might. Then I, I think that's a name that you can potentially watch out for. I'm completely with you on Peraza though. Like Peraza and Terang both feel like they should be going a lot earlier, considering that they're both you know a hop, skip, and a jump from full playing time potentially, and both have have some pretty decent upside. So. That is our shortstops, Gray. I mean, again, it was actually fun to talk about all the way into the 50s, Gray. The 50s. <laughs> we got to like five in second base. It's like, do we have to continue? Can we stop? Second, second base, it was like, okay, number one, Marcus Simeon. Oh, forget it. Let's, let's, <laughs> Move on. Let's call it off. <laughs> all right. So we have finished shortstops. Uh, if, if you're listening, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll get to third base next week. As always, follow us on Twitter. I'm at RazBeatOn. Gray is the at RazBall account. You can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash RazBallFantasy. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter if I'm going to be publishing my rankings since I come on here and just give Gray shit about his all the time. Um, I will. I will. I'll put together my rankings, and I will. we will get those published so that at least as you're listening to the pod, you can at least see where I differ and can call me out for being crazy as well because i'm sure there will be some of that great until next week it was fun talking shortstops all right lights all right see you